was trying to figure out how to make that go through the sermon. Can y'all give me a cadence for the sermon that we could clap our way through? I love it. Thank you, boys and girls, for a great job. Only our kids would come up with oxygen. So we're proud of our kids here at HRBC. You'll need to open your Bibles up today to Matthew chapter 25 and verses 14 through 30. I'm going to do a little background work on the passage and then I'll notify you whenever we are ready to dive in. Let's pray. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. And God's people said, Amen. Let's do this. When you say amen, let's clap one big time. You ready? Three, two, one. Amen. Very good. Thank you. Well, last Sunday we studied the parable of the bridesmaids in Matthew 25. And you remember, if you were here, that there were ten bridesmaids all together awaiting the bridegroom. And in that tradition, they would bring oil with them to light their lamps. And at the appointed time when the bridegroom's uh, chosen person would announce his coming, he would announce that in the street. And then the bridesmaids would awaken and they would rush out and uh, with their lamps lighted and meet the bridegroom and escort him to the bride and then take them to the wedding banquet. Five of the bridesmaids were wise and brought their oil to fill their lamps, but five were foolish and had no oil. And when the bridegroom came, they missed out on the very purpose they were called to fulfill. The theme of that parable for us as we studied it was preparation. Jesus is teaching his disciples to be prepared to living in a uh, preparation for that time when he would come again. Today's parable immediately follows the parable of the bridesmaids in Matthew 25. Here Jesus tells us a story about, he tells the disciples and us a story about a businessman who plans to go away for a very long time. He puts three of his servants in charge of a tremendous amount of his financial resources. Two of the three were wise and one was not. Two would hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, and one would not. And we will see woven into this parable the theme of being responsible. So as we live in the meantime, as we have experienced the first coming of Christ, God in the flesh, born in a manger, and as we await on the second coming of Christ, in the the meantime, we are not only to be living each day prepared as if he were coming and doing the work of the Lord as if he were coming, but we also want to be responsible with that which God has entrusted to us. Most Bibles title this parable the parable of the talents. Christians have often interpreted this passage to refer to to talents as gifts and abilities that God's given us. And that's accurate, but we need to take a step back and look at the original text to understand that our word talent is derived from the Greek word talenton, and in its original meaning, it referred to a sum of money or a weight and measure. It was that which was used in commerce. Later, the word would evolve, if you will, to be understood as talents and abilities and the things that we are given to use by God. A talent was a lot of money. 
And here Jesus is referring to this businessman who gave three of his servants an extraordinary amount of money to help illustrate a spiritual truth. Often Jesus would do that using common everyday things in parables to come alongside of his teaching to illustrate spiritual truths. One talent would be the sum of 20 years work for the average worker in Jesus' time. One talent in silver, the equivalent of 20 years wages. To one he gave five, that would be 100 years. To one he gave two, and then to one he gave one. We're dealing with a very generous master, a very generous businessman, and an incredibly large sum of money, no matter you look at how you look at it. Our scripture says that he gave them talents of gold, not silver. So this was extraordinary. I want us to think of the extraordinary graciousness of God. How God desires to give us out of the overflow. To be abundant to us. To be abundantly generous. We don't want to miss that in the text. The parable is located in a part of Jesus' teachings where he instructs his disciples to endure through very difficult times and to live in anticipation of his return. This was the day before he died. He knew he would not be long with them. And he was trying to encourage them to stay with it and to be responsible with that which they were given. Like all the parables in this section of Scripture, Matthew 24 and 25, this parable highlights the certainty of the Lord's next coming and addresses how the disciples are to live and work in the meantime. I believe he's telling us that we are all responsible. We are all responsible for something. Our irresponsibility, and same for the disciples, our irresponsibility is someone else's responsibility. How many of you have ever been in a car accident? Raise up your hand. A lot of you. I'm glad that you're here to say that you were, that you're okay. But if, you've, if you were in a car accident that was someone else's fault, their irresponsibility became your responsibility. If you were at fault in the accident, maybe you ran a red light or you were not paying attention and you hit somebody, your or my irresponsibility becomes someone else's responsibility. Someone has to pick up the tab for the things that we leave undone. If someone misses their shift in the hospital, someone's got to cover that shift. If someone misdiagnoses on a medical team, someone has to bear the responsibility for that. If you work in a restaurant and are not careful with the food preparation, sometimes the bacteria from uncooked meat can touch something else and make somebody sick. Our irresponsibility becomes someone else's responsibility. Someone else has to pay the tab to pick up the bill to be responsible. When we don't share Jesus Christ as Christians, when we don't share our Jesus with others, our irresponsibility becomes someone else's responsibility. This past week at the BGAV meeting, Baptist General Association of Virginia 
I had the opportunity to hear Leif Anderson speak several times. We were in Hampton, Virginia, and uh, I sat in on his small group session. And in his talk, he, he said that in some research they had done, uh, most Christians never share Jesus with someone else who doesn't know Christ. I'm not asking anybody to raise hands. Some of us are uncomfortable and we don't have the gift of evangelism or we don't feel equipped to do it. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm just saying I heard him say that most Christians over the course of their Christian life don't tell others about the good news. They rely on someone else to do it. And we must be responsible to God with the good news of that which he has given, the gospel which he has given us. And that that leads into our main takeaway today. To whom something is given, something is required. We've been given the good news, the gospel of grace, and we are required to share it. We are required to steward the gospel. To whom something is given, something is required. And that leads us into the parable of the talents today. And this Rembrandt sketch gives us a little glimpse of what it might have been like when that uh, third servant came up to the table to square up with the one who had entrusted him with the talent. Matthew 25, verses 14 and following as we walk through the text. Jesus speaking again, it will be like the kingdom of heaven, will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. Now remember, this is... Jesus often uses hyperbole to teach things. Hyperbole is an extreme example. So this is the equivalency of a hundred years of his wages in gold. And he went out and doubled that. Now, whether that's humanly possible or not, I don't know. But I do know that the point is that he was a good steward with what he had received and went out and Jesus said he doubled it. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Digging a hole in the ground to hide wealth was not uncommon in those days. You do remember the parable of the man who was digging in the field and came across hidden treasure and went off and sold everything that he had and came back and bought the land and the treasure along with it. The treasure could have been there for generations, and uh, he was the one who was the beneficiary of that. So it was not uncommon for someone to bury treasure, but in this case, the servant who had received the one talent buried it because he was cynical and because he was afraid, and you'll see that in just a minute. A couple of things about this uh, distribution of the parable of the t- of the talents. Everyone gets an uneven amount of responsibility. One had five bags of gold. One had two, two talents. One had one. There was different amount of responsibility. 
and the, the businessman gave based on each one's ability. So he, he had probably watched them work, watched them manage to see how they dealt with his things in the past, and then based on their ability, he distributed his wealth. But notice that these three servants didn't have to do a thing in the world to receive it. He gave it to them. So this tells us that the businessman was generous, giving to each one as his ability. So they got an uneven amount. There were uneven amounts of responsibility. This is not about fairness. It's about each one receiving according to his or her ability. And then it also tells us that we are accountable for what, that which is not ours. Everything is on loan from God. Everything we have is a gift from God. We are stewards. We are here temporarily. And we want to be faithful with that which we've been given. So we, there's an uneven amount of responsibility. And we are accountable for that which is not ours. Everything is on loan from God. And then in chapter 25, verse 19 and following, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other, brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. So if you're an investment, what did he do with the money? He what? He doubled it, right. Won't you take doubling money any day? Yeah. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. I don't know about you, but when I walk through the gates of heaven, I want to hear God say, Bob Lee, well done, good and faithful servant. I imagine when you walk through the gates of heaven, you want to hear those words spoken to you. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little bit, and you were entrusted with more. Often at funerals of a believer, we share those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. So while we are here, may we be faithful with that which is not ours. May we be responsible that we might hear those words as we cross from this life into the next. I also believe there's a word to us as a church here. Often church folk will say, we want to grow. How many of you who are here today do not want to grow? I hope I don't see any hands, right? We all want to grow as a church. The problem is, are we being faithful with that which God has given us now? We say, well, we want to see our youth ministry grow. And what church doesn't? But are we being faithful with the youth we have now? 
could you imagine? We have about 60 active students on our church membership roll. That would be all those households. Could you imagine if we had all of those parents knocking on the church door, contacting Kate and saying, how can I be a help? Could you imagine if all of those families showed up on Sunday night to help with our youth? Could you imagine if all of those parents bound together to pray for the future of our student ministry? If you're faithful with what you've got, then God will give you more. See? And think about other areas of our church. Think about the areas where you would like to see growth. And if we expect God to give us more, the question then becomes, are we being faithful with what God's given us already? Pray about that. Think about that as you go about this week. And seek what God is asking you to do for that area of ministry you are passionate about. To grow in mission, to grow in our music and worship ministry, to grow in our senior, all aspects, children's ministry, all aspects. Are we being faithful now with what God has given us? If we are, then we can certainly expect that God will give us more responsibility. In verses 19 through 23, we see that God was pleased with those first two servants. But then in in the next verse, verse 24, then the man who had received one bag of gold came, Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and I hid your gold. He acknowledges it was his boss's gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, should you have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I turned, I would have received it back with interest? At least basic interest, instead of putting it in the ground, at least give it to the bankers to get the, you know, what today is maybe a half percent on a normal money market account right? At least you could have done that. And then in verses 28 through 30, we hear more of the response. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags, the one who's been more responsible. For whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. If we're not careful, we can read in that verse there, that, listen again, for whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. If we're not careful, we can read in, in that, that God takes away from poor people to give to the rich, and be very careful about that reading. I believe that that we can understand here is that God is telling us that which is not used will not develop. Muscles that, will, that are not used will atrophy. The talents and the gifts that we have that are not used will wither away if we do not use what we've been given. So that's the point I believe that Jesus is trying to make here. He's saying to his disciples who are the audience, 
to use the gifts and the abilities and the teachings and the talents and the good news of the gospel that they've been given for the fullness of the kingdom of God. And if they are faithful with what they've been given, then God will give them more responsibility. So this, and the, the fourth thing I want to say is that this deals uh, with us in a couple of ways. With our attitude and our outlook. So I want to ask, how is my attitude? The third servant was bitter, cynical, and afraid. And he did not fully understand the nature of his bosses or his master's business, we would say perhaps he was a multinational or an international businessman going to different places and making trades and dealing with agriculture and then reaping the profits. He wasn't doing anything unethical or not, I mean, it was typical of any businessman of that nature. But the servant didn't understand, so he was bitter and fearful and had a negative attitude. And, th and therefore, he just buried his talent in the soil until his master came back. I need to ask about my attitude. How is my attitude? How am I approaching the things that God has called me to do? Am I willing to humbly, to do humbly whatever is necessary for the cause of the advancement of the kingdom of God? Am I willing to be a tire changer for the kingdom of God? If you follow NASCAR, some people want to be the driver or the pit crew leader. But who wants to be a tire changer? That's a grueling job. But how many accidents happen on NASCAR tracks that are related to tires? It's very important. Or are you willing to be a relief pitcher to go in and pitch just one out. There's a left-handed batter coming up, and that relief pitcher is going to come in, pitch to him, and strike him out, and then they're going to send in another pitcher. You don't get to play very much. Sometimes we complain when we don't get the job that we really want. Or what about a backup quarterback in the NFL? They never get to play. How would you like to do that? Day in and day out, practices, and watching film, and studying, and and. And, and seeing the game from the sidelines. Or what about being third chair in the orchestra? I remember playing the clarinet in middle school and into high school, and I didn't start out in first chair. And then when I got into 10th grade, they needed a bass drummer. So they said, we got too many clarinet players, Bob, so we want you to play the bass drum. I wanted to be the cool snare drummer guy. You know, they get a lot of attention. But the bass drum... And the cadence as you're marching onto the field for your halftime show, if the bass drummer is off, it throws everything off. These things are so important. Are we willing to be an understudy in theater? You don't get the glamour of being out on stage, but you're learning. And I could go on and on. Are we willing to take whatever job that we have been given, whatever responsibility we have been given, and to fulfill it to the best of our ability for the cause of the kingdom, the advancement of the kingdom of God. How is my attitude toward that? And I pray that God, you would help me to have the right kind of attitude. Humble me that I have the right attitude for kingdom growth. And then the last thing, the challenge is um, for us to embrace a long-term outlook. I don't want to be a day trader for the kingdom of God. I want to be like Warren Buffett. In it for the long haul. 
You study a company that's got it going as Berkshire Hathaway, because Warren Buffett has a long-term outlook, not a day trader. May we be responsible with the gifts, the talents, and the abilities we've been given as we seek to do whatever we can with the best of our abilities to advance the Redeemer's kingdom. The question is, what are we going to do with what God's given us? Because God is trustworthy for the long term. And that's good news. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on us. Some of us are people who can handle more responsibility and you give us five bags. Others of us are the kind of folks who can handle two and you give us two bags. And there are others of us who can handle the responsibility of one and you give us one bag. It's not about fairness. It's about you being a generous God, giving graciously to us gifts and abilities and talents that we might advance your kingdom and advance the good news of Jesus Christ to be about justice and righteousness and what is good and merciful in this world. Help me, God, help us have the right kind of attitude and help us, God, have the right understanding that we're in this for the long haul because you're in this for the long haul. In Jesus' name we pray.